Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. sharing a message today that is just a little bit left afield from what I would normally talk about. Um, but I had started reading a book over the Christmas holidays called Holier Than Thou. Uh, it's by a woman called Jackie Hill Perry. Uh, she is an American. She writes, she talks, she's, um, she's cool. Uh, she has no problem telling you how it is, which I love because sometimes I need it to be pointed out in a bleedingly obvious way so there's no it can't be anything else. Um, and over the last little while, I've been really starting to get into triathlons because why suck at one sport when you can suck at three all at the same time? <laughs> and one of the things you do is you have to spend a lot of time on the bike and running and, um, and there isn't really much else to do but be in your own head, um, which is great as solitude time because no one wants to run with me. Um, <laughs> Uh, but also it, you know, kind of breaks up the suffering. Um, and one of the things that I get thinking about is God and, um, you know, how, how big he is and, you know, there's a lot of alone time and, you know, your mind kind of wanders. And I got stuck on this thought from the book that I had been reading um, and it's this. If God is holy, he can't sin. And if he can't sin, then he can't sin against me. And if he can't sin against me, then doesn't that make him the most trustworthy person that there is? I'm just going to let that sit for a second. Yeah. That was one of those things that I was, oh, okay. Um, But what do you think of when you think of holy? I'm just going to pull this back. I'm very close. (laughs) Is holiness just another part of God? Does holiness even, you know, like play into your life? I know that I didn't totally understand it. I didn't really think about it. I knew the context to use the word, but apart from that, I didn't really think about it. It kind of, it was just there. Um, And I think as Christians, sometimes we focus on the intimacy of God rather than the parts that we don't know, that the seemingly massive parts that you can't always have words for. Like I know how to talk about God's love. I think we all know how to talk about love because we've all, in our own way, experienced love or, you know, whatever we think love is. We don't often talk about holiness because it's kind of an out there term, like an ether term. But if you've got your Bibles, we're going to start in Isaiah 6, uh, starting in verse 1. And it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord exalted, and high seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. Two wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. That's a lot of wings. And they were calling to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the sound of their voices At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me, I cried, for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips and live among people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. 
So that's Isaiah sharing an experience that he had in the presence of God. And not just in the presence that we had here today, but in the actual face-to-face presence of Jesus. Culturally, things that are repeated like holy, 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 the more that you repeat it, the more intense it is. So to say holy, holy, holy is that you can't get any higher than that. Like that's, you've reached the top. But what does it actually mean? In the Hebrew, it means pure, clean, free from defilement of crimes, idolatry and other unclean things and profane things. And other dictionaries will add that it's sacred and set apart, which we'll come back to. But if God is holy, 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 how do I know that He is free from sin or that He can't sin? And when I read this, it tells me this because the first response of Isaiah is not to be like, oh, cool, it's God, but to be very aware that He is not like God, to be having this incredible encounter with actual God in front of you to then his first words being, woe is me, I am ruined. I get this a lot when I play hockey with my sister. My sister is a very good hockey player and it is bleedingly obvious when we play together because she's so much better than I am. But it's sort of like that, that when you're next to someone who is perfect, when you are next to the living God, or in a much more earthly context, when you're next to someone who is better than you at something, it's really obvious where your faults are. And so Isaiah, next to God, even though Isaiah's life in earthly terms is, can be close to perfect, as close as you'll ever get, it's nothing compared to God. And in that moment, it is so obvious. And God is holy, he cannot sin. Because if he could, he'd be just like me. And the more that this unravels for me, the more there's kind of two thoughts that happen, is that when we think about holiness, there's all of this negativity attached to it. Like God's holiness is only about him being morally perfect and that it's oppressive that it's about God wanting to dictate things to you just for the sake of dictating things to you and that he hates sin and that by extension, he hates you, which is not the God that I know at all. It's not what the cross tells us. I mean, for sure, he hates sin. That's kind of the point of the cross, but he loves you. The other side of the coin is that holiness has become common. You know, we entered the presence just before. I don't know if any of you experienced that, but we step in and it's normal for us, like, which is kind of a good thing, but at the same time, we lose that esteem for the fact that we have just stepped beyond the veil and we have direct access to God. We don't We don't think about it as much as we think about things like grace and love and trust and peace and all these other things that God is. We don't focus on it because maybe we focus, it's about what God can do for me rather than just focusing on God. It becomes more about seeking the gift rather than the giver. 
But holiness is not an aspect of God. It is who he is through and through. His attributes are never at odds with each other and they don't switch places depending on his mood or how he, what side of the bed he woke up on. They are him in all that he says and all that he does. He is always himself. Because if God can't sin, then he can't sin against you. Uh, in Genesis 3, we, talk, we see the fall, the big, the big moment in Genesis. Um, Ezekiel, you can throw that up for me. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, you may eat from the fruit in the trees of the garden, but God did say, you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When I read that, I can hear the scoffing. <laughs> you're not gonna die. Guys, <laughs> you're overreacting, you're not gonna die. But in the garden, they had it all. It was all laid out for them. God literally did everything. All they had to do was just not kill it. They had got to work and enjoy. There was purpose and plan in their life. And then the serpent comes along and says, did God really say? You're not going to die. It's not what's going to happen. You're just going to know what God knows. And suddenly, the narrative seems to shift from God being holy and God to God lied to you. But the dis- and you know that's not that's not who God is. God doesn't lie to you. The disadvantage for us is that we are born after Adam, so all of this sin that happened there has now flown on into the rest of our lives. It's the kind of generational sin that you can't pray away, unfortunately. Got to wait for Jesus to come back. And I wonder if maybe that's why we struggle with holiness, because we get caught on, did God really say that? What if we don't place any value on the perfection of God and the, the, the holiness of God because of a moment in the garden God was believed to be a liar and the generations of sinfulness that follow meant that we don't truly believe that God is who he says he is, that what he says holds no weight for us and that when we wrestle with that question, we get stuck in in everything that's happening in our world, the realities of life and kids and work and school and, and all the rest of it and it piles on and suddenly we can't hear God. But let me just tell you, don't doubt in the dark what you heard in the light because God does not sin against you. There are moments in our lives that are traced back to this, but maybe the question, it's not a question, maybe it's a statement. Maybe it's, that's true for them, but it's not true for you. God loves them, but he doesn't love you. God has peace, he is peace, but he's not peace for you, sorry. You can't believe in X, Y, and Z because why would God do that? You could never do that thing that God told you to do because he actually didn't mean it like that. You misinterpreted him. You didn't hear him right. But God is holy and he cannot sin. So he's not sinning against you. He didn't lie to you. He hasn't done any of those things. 
in a post-Adam world, everyone is sinful and everyone has a bent against sinning against each other, whether deliberately or not. I know that we all have stories of times where we've been rejected or mistreated or abused. And each of us has things that we do to cope with that, that are sinful. Like we withhold love because I don't want to get hurt. Or we get angry easily because I just want to be heard and you're not listening to me. Whatever it is that we do to protect ourselves or respond is because of hurt that we have inside that we can't name or don't want to name. But if we don't latch on to the holiness of God and how sinless He is, we will put on Him the sinlessness, the sin of other people. So if I don't, if I don't latch on to how good and perfect God is, I will project onto Kieran everything that is wrong with, wait, I lost my train. Let me try that again. If I don't trust that God is who he says he is, I will take all of the sin that Kieran has sinned against me, mostly undeliberately, and I will project it onto God. He'd say the same about me. And suddenly, and suddenly God is not who he says he is. He doesn't love unconditionally. He doesn't, when he promised he would be with me forever, I don't believe him because Kieran said he'd be with me forever and now suddenly he's not. We're still together, everything's fine. (laughs) I'm really throwing you under the bus today, aren't I? We will filter God through an earthly lens and not the lens of holiness. And then we find ourselves in a place that we were never meant to be in and we'll miss what God is doing. Because we've been walking in the question, did you really say that? I'm not gonna take a step until I know that I know that I know that I know that you really said that. If the band could come back up, that'd be great. The other part of what holiness is, is this idea of being set apart. It's called transcendence. Why does it matter? Why do, why do I care that God is set apart? Because him being set apart makes him different. And so if he's different, he's not like me. And in his difference, in his set apartness, he is all knowing, he is all present, he is absolute truth. And when we have idols in our life, whether that be money or relationships, addictions, ourselves, social media, whatever, We want them to do the things for us that only God can do. And if you're not sure what an idol is, an idol is something that if I took it away from you right now, your whole life would fall apart and you wouldn't be able to get back. So if 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 money is an idol for you, you will chase money. And if I took money away from you, you wouldn't be able to function. I need God to do only the things that God can do. I need, when I need peace, I need the peace that transcends understanding. When I need comfort, I need the comfort of a God who knows exactly what is happening.
When there is darkness, I need light that will fill the void, not a different kind of darkness. Because the thing about idols is that they have to be sustained outside of themselves. So you only get out what you put in and they are dependent on you to put in. God is not. He is with or without you. The difference is that He just wants to be with you. He'd prefer it if you were with Him. God does not conform to the way that we are because if He did, He wouldn't be God. And the beauty of His holiness is that He is set apart so that His thoughts are higher than my thoughts and His ways are higher than my ways. And He separates how He is and how He interacts with us with eternity in mind. Because He does not sin, He can be trusted. And I can give, and all of us can give everything that we have over to Him because He is good in all that He says and all that He does. Every part of who He is is good. His transcendence and His moral purity, His holiness mean that when He called you, He meant it with the mind of God, free from the things that would weigh down the earthly mind. He's not hindered by other people's opinions. He called you with His eyes wide open and He still just wants you. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.